Welcome, welcome back with your Shadowcrest crew, Owen Brasington. Preston Ackerman. Was that, was that English? Was that English? Oh, let's, tr- let's try that. Let's oh, wrap it. Oh my goodness. Let's wrap oh, it up. Thank it's you been for a great, this has yeah. been the great. worst. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. We're going. This is Shadowcast Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome back with your Shadowcast crew and another episode of Shadowcast Radio with your host, Owen Brasington. Preston Ackerman. Nathan Brasington. And I, I got to admit, I'm real excited about this episode. Now, I'm, I'm real excited. I, I that say you're that every single episode, but I'm, I, I really am excited about this because I think we have a special guest. We do have a special guest. If you're familiar with our show and you've been listening uh, for some time, then we uh, featured this guest in a past episode. Uh, so I'd like to welcome back on the program, Mr. Timothy Brindle. Hey, Tim, how are, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent because I'm on the Shadowcast podcast with my brethren. Back for another rich biblical theological discussion. Mm. <laughs> that is something that we do. We do like that, I guess, a little bit. If yeah. you can, if you can tell from our our garden themed uh, yes. studio space here, we might we might like biblical themes maybe here and there. No, we that. do. We feel a kindred spirit with you, brother, because we uh, God's been working on all of us just in biblical theological themes Amen. and and seeing how the scripture narrative all ties together and the beauty of that and uh yeah you were honestly instrumental in especially Preston's life but really mm-hmm. all three of us in in yep. that Amen. you were yeah you were kind of the forerunner for us i know uh throughout the ages many have viewed scripture in that light but mm-hmm. uh, god used you in our lives and and we just appreciate you uh yeah. whether that's just your graciousness on your third time on or a glutton for punishment. I'm not sure, but we're happy to have you, brother. We're going to try to make this not a two-parter, but you never know what happens. No, it's, it's the pleasure is mine. And because I had such a blast, uh, the last couple times, it made me that much more excited and willing to join you again. So, yeah, again, it's amazing too, just by God's provision and just technology. He's provided this means for us to have this fellowship. It's, it's as if you're like right here and it's cool. Like I, I, you know, you have that joy of fellowship that you have that, which, uh, that which we do remember from last time that your wife had considered I was maybe teasing, making the maybe. move to Wyoming. <laughs> oh yeah. Is that yeah. still on the table? <laughs> well, what's very interesting is since I was on the program last, uh, we have moved, uh, out from, um, the urban area of Philadelphia actually to a much more rural area. Um, mm. about, about an hour west of Pennsylvania. So I'm basically in, uh, the closest thing to Wyoming, uh, while still in the state of Pennsylvania. Without being in Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> so what else has been going on in life? Our, our, we had some great feedback on our episodes we d- had, uh, with you earlier. And so what, what's been going on in life and ministry and what's God doing in your, in your circles right now? Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of good things have happened this last year. Um, in particular, the Lord was gracious to bring me to a place of uh, calling me to pastoral ministry. So the mm-hmm. early part of 2021 was going through the various uh, examinations um, to become a pastor in the PCA, Presbyterian Church yeah. of America. And I was ordained in May uh, at Olive Street Presbyterian Church, where I'm serving now. Uh, and really just enjoyed the last six months uh, serving uh, in preaching and teaching ministry, mm-hmm. shepherding ministry at our church. Along, uh, My wife has been so supportive and encouraging and our eight children. Uh, and in light of the fact that we were discussing um, biblical theology on our podcast together, brethren, I've been able to teach through the unfolding for Sunday school at my church, the adult Sunday school. Mm. Um, and that's just been a great joy, uh, to, to, to teach it, um, in the local church. And so, mm-hmm. um, I was thinking, brother, as I, I was just going over the, the notes for, ten, for tonight's 
episode how this might be something I want to teach to the congregation. Oh, I like it. That's cool. Let me ask you this, though, is for myself, primarily, I'm being selfish, but also for our listeners, do you record that Sunday school time at all? Just just out of curiosity. You know what? Um, we don't. Somebody recently mentioned in the last couple of weeks, why aren't we recording this? And so I mm-hmm. told, you know, we're already um, almost halfway through the book. It's taken us uh, since September to just get halfway through the book because, you know, there's a lot to talk about in the mm-hmm. Lord's Word. But I, I made the That's joke. Right. I guess we'll just have to start over then. Amen. I like it. And, and start yes. recording. But no, unfortunately, we have not recorded. Um, all the sermons and services are recorded, but a lot of the sound guys are busy during Sunday school, teaching Sunday school or in a different class, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that has not happened. However, I have That's done a podcast um, mm-hmm. on the unfolding book, and it's probably 40 to 50 episodes with a brother named Rudy Gonzalez. And it's called mm-hmm. um, Redeeming the Time. Um, podcast. And so if you go to timothybrindleministries.com, um, that podcast is featured on there. Your, po- your podcast is on there that I did with you, brethren. Um, but the one with Rudy Gonzalez, we go through the entire unfolding book. Um, and so it's, it's a few dozen episodes. Oh, oh great. Awesome, brother. And I'm looking forward to that. I have a question. How, like, so as far as, preaching the scriptures uh, as as an unfolding story, how has that landed on the ears of the congregants? Has that been a sort of an interesting process where some people get it? Or do you find that people look at you sideways, you know, wondering why you're viewing scripture in this way and not quite strongly systematically? Like, what's that? How's, how has it landed on your congregants when you preach the scriptures as themes? Great question. God's people have been extremely encouraging and receptive to his word. And that's by his grace, mm-hmm. by his spirit. Um, and partly because I'm pastoring alongside of another gentleman, Pastor John Orlando, who happens mm-hmm. to be a mentor of mine and a close friend. And he also preaches through the scriptures, redemptive historically, showing mm-hmm. how the history of salvation is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so mm-hmm. we're actually going through the book of Genesis uh, right now together. Uh, which has just been a great delight. Uh, so they have been quite receptive to answer your question. Praise God. Yeah. Cool. Amen. Yeah. No, that, um, with that in mind, cause I, I just, like I said, you, God used us, God used you in our lives and, and other means as well, but Absolutely. It, it makes the scripture so rich. And I, I believe that's, um, yes, God 100%. has, uh, God knew exactly what he was doing when he gave us the scriptures the way he did. And, right. and there's so much richness there. Yep. So And the intentionality, the consistency, yes. it's it's holistic cohesiveness. It's it's a power, it's so powerful, man. So thanks for your work in, in all of our lives because it's been immensely helpful and yes. glorifying Amen. to the Lord Jesus. And Praise another God. theme in that vein, uh Preston, uh, I'm hoping you can set up, but I think mm-hmm. it's fitting for the holiday season for the Christmas season, um, when we celebrate um, Christ coming as a man. Um, but mm-hmm. Preston, do you want to frame that for us? What What are we talking about tonight? Yeah. So again, as I have been trained, uh, you know, from the likes of brother like uh, Mr. Brindle here to also other other teachers, um, I, I've been learning how to spot themes and repeated patterns. And um, though this topic specifically was not included in the unfolding album or book, it was something that I think by God's grace provided me categories and 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 practice and recognizing patterns. And so I, I noticed, I began to notice. The, the the power and the and the continuity and the consistency of uh, feasting in the Bible, and that I don't think that this was necessarily something that was um, random bits of detail within the author's imagination, but was intentional from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, and that's 
you know, how we would define a theme, something that's, uh, that begins in Genesis and then, you know, finds an ultimate fulfillment in Jesus and that we see then in, in the new garden, in the new Eden. And, um, feasts is something that I'm absolutely convinced the idea, the theme of feasting, coming together, eating as a, as, as a people, as brothers and sisters. I think that is a theme that's introduced in the scriptures. And, uh, I just want to suss that out tonight with my three brothers here. Something I need my brain examined because I left my father's house for the land God gave me, but it's plagued with major famine. Well, as I'm struggling, a sojourn, a suffering I go down to Egypt, but the Lord will bring me up again He's telling me this eternal is my homeland But I'm dwelling in tents, sojourner in my own land Though I'm battered and I'm bruised I set the pattern for these Jews of sufferers Who trust your word, 11th chapter of Hebrews See, I'm the forefather of many suffering Sons of God who prefer this to being whoremongers The wits are taught, calling, getting hard often He'll bring us into glory because our faithful God's sovereign Before we go there, I, I, I do want to provide some sort of background uh, details. So obviously the Bible was written. Um, the Bible was written by a primarily Jewish audience, both Old and New Testaments. And so uh, Israel would have been a very much agrarian culture. So we can expect to see lots of gardening language, lots of feasting language. And so this is something to be expected, right? So uh, there's a large focus upon food, gardening, seeds, trees in the Bible, right? And as, as to be expected, uh, some of the common crops of Israel would have been wheat, barley, figs, dates, uh, olives, grapes, and even pomegranates. That, uh, yeah, pomegranates are an important image too in the Bible. Um, so I think, first of all, just as a first point, I think as Americans, we can for us, food just sort of magically appears through the supply chain inside of Walmart, right? And so it's not necessarily as I think obvious to us to catch a you know some of the um, some of these themes as quickly because we don't live in an agrarian society. We you know we we tend to have other kinds of means of taking care of ourselves, and food just sort of comes in the grocery store. So I think we can fail as Americans to see the significance of this, but. Nonetheless, I think the biblical authors, though they were an agrarian culture, I think they played off of that to try to teach us something about the value of, of, of food, gardens, seeds, trees, even in the Bible. So I don't think this is just happenstance or historical detail. I think the biblical authors are drawing our attention to the idea of food and feasting and, and garden moments. And so uh, as we begin Genesis, and again, at any point, brothers, you're welcome to jump in. Uh, we know Adam is appointed. The, he's, uh, Adam is the, the son of God. He's uh, the human one. He is uh, Adam from the earth. He is appointed to tend a garden in Eden and to exercise dominion over this world that God created as the image of God. And so now the very first point that I want to make, the very first uh, beginning, the, the beginning moments of this theme really begin, I think, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food, right? And so right here, I think, is the very beginning of where this theme is getting expressed. Yeah. What do you add from the first garden, brother? What do you see there? Yes. And uh, I love I love that what you've already shared. Um, yes, the Lord created Adam as a priest, as a, ro a royal priest, a king priest. Uh, and it's very interesting that both the place of testing for Adam to show what it is like to image God, to, to love righteousness and hate sin, um, and to show the Lord's holiness is at a, mm -hmm. a tree uh, with, uh, with food. And then also uh, what represented the reward had Adam passed the test and obeyed God perfectly is another tree. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the two trees are very important. Um, and, and so I think what uh, you just shared from Genesis one twenty nine begins to get unpacked even more uh, right after the Lord creates Adam. You find in verse 8 of Genesis 2, the Lord God mm -hmm. planted a garden in Eden, and there he, he set or put the man there. And then the next verse, out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Mm -hmm. And then notice this next phrase, the tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so the beginning really of the Bible it's an it's an invitation to feast on the food that is beautiful, that is good, but also 
there are there are wrong kinds of feasting. There are wrong sorts of appetites that we 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 can indulge in, potentially indulge in. At least in the case of Adam, you can feast on uh, the goodness of the garden, right? On on all the trees, and then eventually the tree of life. But also in the midst of that garden is a tree of testing that really looks good. But we are called to withhold feasting on that and to feast rather on the tree of life. Mm-hmm. That's good, man. And it was in that case that really, uh, one was, uh, there was a desire Mm -hmm. after, after the serpent had appeared, there was a desire for Mm -hmm. feasting that was not, uh, ordained by God or not, uh, not encouraged by God. Yeah. Decreed by God. Yeah. Decreed. Yep. 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 Do not eat of this. Do not eat of this fruit. So you're saying we can do feasting wrong. So what you're saying. So, well... That's that's a good question. So where 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 do we see bad? I guess if there are examples of feasting that are God ordained, yeah. versus uh, feasting that is not God ordained mm. or maybe prohibited. Well, and I think I think we'll see both examples of those as we travel. I know quickly yeah. through the scriptures, but where do you take us next, brother? Well, I would say. Um, it's very interesting that in the very last book of the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ sheds light on Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, where mm-hmm. he makes clear, uh, this is Genesis chapter 2, uh, I'm sorry, Revelation 2, 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers, to the one who overcomes, that is. And this mm-hmm. verb, nekeo, uh, which John likes to use, he uses it in, in 1 John uh, faith is our victory that we, by which we overcome the world. So overcoming mm-hmm. in this context, um, is by faith in Christ to him who overcomes, to him who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is mm-hmm. in the paradise of God. Mm-hmm. And then in the last letter uh, to the seven churches, Jesus says, he stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone hears his voice and opens the door, he'll come into him and eat with him and he with me. And so I would just say to set the background, um, the setting um, is that feasting and eating is a picture of fellowship with the Lord and with one mm-hmm. another. But it's primary in terms of communicating uh, fellowship and communion with God. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, you're right, though. There is the counterfeit feast. There is the false feast. And as we go through redemptive history and see in the in in all of the falls of these major figures who are representative figures, Adam, Noah, he has a food temptation and he falls with the grapes yep. in his drunkenness. We'll see it yep. with Israel um, in 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 the wilderness, a food temptation. Uh, and so on all the way through. And yet when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the one who passes the test of the food temptation in the wilderness mm-hmm. as the serpent mm-hmm. uh, tells mm-hmm. him to make bread uh, from the stones. Um, and so um, it, it's just striking that the, the, the way I just love how you notice this, this theme um, mm-hmm. and how you're, you're seeking to build on it. So uh, thank you so much mm-hmm. for, uh, bringing this to light, um, brothers, and 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 I know we're just getting started, but those those are a few <laughs> thoughts pre- preliminary, Ooh, brother. I feel like this is going to be an impossible thing to try to oh, um, yeah. to try to do in, <laughs> in in one podcast episode, but but we will try to do our best. And so uh, you mentioned the Lord Jesus. Something that really stood out to me as far as um, his his priesthood. It's not after the, the Levitical type of priesthood, but rather it's after another kind of character's priesthood. That would be after the order of Melchizedek, and so sprinkled all throughout. And the reason why. I, I, I uh, even bring up Melchizedek is because there are feast moments throughout many characters in the Old Testament, and Melchizedek is one of my absolute favorite. And so in Genesis chapter 14, uh, verse 18, uh, this is Abraham and Melchizedek. He says, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And so if you're familiar with Melchizedek, and if you're familiar with um, really, as then the story continues to unfold, uh, the Levites adopting that office of priest, well, right here is mentioned Melchizedek, who would not have been 
Aaronic. He was a different kind of priest. And what does he do when he meets Abraham? He brings out bread and wine. He brings out the feast. Mm. And so uh, just real quick, brothers, what are, what are some of your you know, favorite or even stories that stand out in the Old Testament where you have these, these feast moments? Mm. Well, I love it when, they, when the Israelites come into the land promised by God in mm-hmm. Canaan, which was a land flowing with milk and honey, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is kind of odd because nowadays you don't hear that term very well, right. but like it just doesn't resonate with them as it did with uh, mm-hmm. the Israelites at that time where, man, this is a, a bountiful place. Bountiful. That's a great yeah. word. Yeah. And so I think, man, I love that picture of God is inviting his people into yeah. uh, who were previously slaves into a land that is flowing with ingredients needed for a grand feast for that a he has feast. For. I love that. I love you that know, picture. I I agree with you. I it makes me laugh. Once you brought up this topic, Preston, I just as you look through the biblical narrative, I just started laughing, especially with the Israelites and the wilderness, because there it seems like I don't know if we're just like very stomach oriented, but like their frame of reference was food. Yeah. Because you see their complaints and they're like we had meat and potatoes yeah. and leeks. And now, and we're, leeks. Yeah, now we're in the wilderness. <laughs> and like, what was, like you said, Owen, what was the tagline that God kind of yeah. promised them was the land flowing with milk yeah. and honey. And so it's another feast. Yeah. And there's so a false it, feast that they wanted back yes, in slavery. Absolutely. Mm. And so I, you know, at first when you brought this up, I was like, yeah, it's a theme, but now I'm like, it's actually a big theme. Like it's yeah. really a big theme. And I'm, so I'm impressed. Yeah. I would I would love to hear your thoughts, Brother Timothy, on just what are some of your favorite uh feast moments of that theme that travels throughout scripture? Yes. Um Psalm 34, uh David says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Huh. And so st- even stepping back, the fact God made us physical, spiritual creatures. In his image, Mm -hmm. he has given food, as we saw in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, uh, and he's given us the ability to enjoy food uh, through taste buds and through the palate. Um, Mm -hmm. And yet, these uh, enjoyments of food are really a pointer to the Lord's Mm -hmm. goodness. Eating good Mm -hmm. food was always intended to point to the Lord's goodness, feasting on Mm -hmm. On, on the Lord and his in uh, in his kindness and in fellowship with him mm-hmm. um and so it, yeah. it's striking though that after Adam sins um with with fruit um we see Abel a faithful priest bringing his uh his food offering to the Lord um contrasted with Cain's and I think your outline, uh, brought this out, brought this out, Preston. And yet with Noah, we have a new Adam figure. He represents, um, uh, through covenant, uh, those who are with him saved through the flood. And there's a lot of commandments the Lord gives Noah about bringing food on. And there's mm-hmm. specification. He gets specific regarding clean animals for the sake mm-hmm. of, um, you know, also preserving not only, uh, quote unquote unclean, but clean animals. And as you said, it's Moses, the inspired author who wrote Genesis and he's writing for the Israelite audience. And so not only is Adam a, uh, uh, a paradigm and, um, as a priest, so is Noah. And when Noah mm-hmm. comes out on the other end of the waters of judgment that the Lord has brought him and his family through, he builds an altar and he offers up some of the clean animals to the Lord. Uh, and these burnt offerings have a, a sweet smell. So it's not only the taste of food, it's also the smell, but it's sweet to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, Noah and the sacrifice of clean animals and the sweet aroma, it also will become a paradigm for the sacrificial system uh, but I think it's so awesome that you pointed out Melchizedek bringing out bread and the wine. And yet the, the scriptures do take us through the path, uh, down through the journey, uh, of the, of the feasts of Israel. And I would just say that the Passover meal itself, it becomes, it, it forms a precedent for, uh, the mm-hmm. priestly 
meals in the sacrificial system. So there's a strong connection between Israel, God's kingdom of priests, and the way that they're called to uh, partake of of, um, unleavened bread and eat of the slaughtered lamb, the lamb that is Mm. slaughtered in their place so that as the firstborn son of God, Israel, also a son Mm. of God, as Adam was a human son of God, you mentioned, Israel instead would be saved by the blood of the Passover lamb. Uh, but remember, the Lord kills the firstborn son of, of Egypt. The firstborn son Israel saved, but they get to feast on uh, the, the slaughtered uh, sacrifice. This then will become uh, the, 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 the very uh, blueprint for yeah. the Aaronic Levitical sacrificial system. And so I would just notice that the book of Leviticus – has hundreds of references to eating. <laughs> mm. And so we could go there, but I also don't want to skip over Exodus 16, the feast in the wilderness. Mm. So uh, oh, that's, a, th- that's, mm. that's also very important, how the Lord fe- provides his people yeah. with manna and, and food in the wilderness. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. And man, it's, it's, it's literally everywhere. And we should maybe, you know, come together, do a nine-part series on Leviticus. I would totally be down for that. <laughs> But it's 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 everywhere, and I, I chuckle and laugh just like you, brother, because I was just reading, you know, in the Exodus, and now all of a sudden these characters they just have a random feast right before, like in the book of Exodus, some of the um, some of the leaders of Israel they come before the mountain of God and they just stop and have a feast there, yep. as if yep. like there was a table set up already and there's the food provided. It's like you're literally in the wilderness, and yet it was important to the mo- to the author. So Moses thought it important to continue that detail and yes. throw it into the story and that's where it really began to hit me but brothers it's it's everywhere and i chuckle and laugh i'd love to talk about everyone i mean gosh there's a story of even joseph joseph uh and the provision that he offers in his godly wisdom and in the way that he foreshadows christ he provides through the famine and then uh it th- like you were mentioning brother brindle and even Owen, the the manna the feast that's provided in the wilderness in, in the, the in the space where food is not provided god has provided food to yeah. Israel. The quail was part of that as well, yep. mm-hmm. right? Because yep. they said, we miss meat, right? <laughs> and we've joked about it on the show before, who misses leeks? But yeah. that was a thing. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it is such a huge theme. And it's so funny. I, I think it's beautiful, though, that God, because I, I don't know if it's just an American thing, but often we think like, you know, we need to not enjoy food. And certainly... We've already seen that you can do that in a and uh, a way that doesn't glorify God. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a good thing, like you said, Brother mm-hmm. Brendel, to point to the goodness of God. It's a yeah. blessing Amen. that He's given us, and uh, and just that right communion with Him. And yeah. what what are other points that we want to look at moving forward? As you said, Preston, I know we yeah. can't look at them all, but Gosh. Um, man, there's some powerful ones. What what else would you add, Brother Brendel? I would I would want to say. That so we know Adam was given dominion as a king, uh, of mm-hmm. the vice king under God the king. He was also a priest to guard the temple, to serve and worship mm-hmm. the Lord. Well, this, this idea of a priest king or a royal priest, it continues through, uh, Israel's history, who is a kingdom of priests. And just mm-hmm. as Israel has this sacrifice in a sacrificial meal, the Passover, and we know we're going to end up with the Lord's Supper, right? But before right, we get there, right. this becomes a paradigm <laughs> for the royal priests, uh, namely the Levites uh, and, and, and Aaron and his sons. And so I was really struck by Leviticus 24, 5 mm-hmm. to 9, about the bread for the tabernacle. Uh, the Lord commands there to be 12 loaves uh, representing all 12 uh, tribes to be set in two piles of six on the table of the showbread. And it's to be put before the Lord. And it's literally called in the Hebrew, the bread of the face or the bread of the presence. And the Mm. idea was that Aaron and his sons would eat of it in the holy place before the Lord, before his presence. And the idea is, Lord, I'm fellowshipping with you. And if we think about it, if we step back, What's one of the best ways to show we want to spend time with a friend, a neighbor, another family from the church, 
a mm-hmm. family member. We have them over to do what? To eat. Break bread. Absolutely. To break yep. bread. That's right. Uh, and yep. so mm-hmm. we find the, the, a biblical theology of the bread of the presence, the bread of the face mm-hmm. in Exodus 25, yeah. 30. But then also David, a royal priest, prophet mm-hmm. figure. He's on the That's run right. from Saul. He stumbles into the tabernacle. And what is he given in First mm-hmm. tw- Samuel 21, 6 to eat? The bread of the presence, which presence. is only mm-hmm. for the priests. Priest. Why can he mm-hmm. eat it? Well, he's a picture. And I love how you mentioned, Preston, the yeah. son of God would come uh, not in the line of Aaron, but in the line of David. He's, mm-hmm. it, it's showing that the, the priestly uh, uh, office will find its fulfillment mm-hmm. in the Lord Jesus Christ, son of David, the I Judah king. Amen. And yet Jesus, he institutes the Lord's Supper on the night of the Passover. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when he says, take and eat my body, and, 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 uh, it, it represented as bread and drink of my blood represented, um, by, by the cup. He's bringing all of the, 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 the feasts from the Old Testament and in the sacrificial system. He's, he's bringing it all together. And so I just really yeah. quick wanted to say Leviticus is actually as a book about fellowshipping with God through sacrifice. It's a book mm-hmm. about feasting. Where the mm-hmm. Lord has his holy priest worshipers feast upon the sacrifices. So this verb, achal, which means to eat or to consume, it appears 104 times just in Leviticus. Now, mm-hmm. 78 times it means to eat. The other 26, it's the same word, but it's the fire eating or consuming the offering. And mm-hmm. so the food offerings, the grain offerings, they were all for the priests. It was sprinkled with the salt of the covenant. The grain offering was eaten in, in chapter 6, 14 to 18. And they would even mm-hmm. eat the guilt offering, which was offered to atone for guilt, Leviticus 7, 1 through 10. But then you say, okay, that's just the Aaron, Aaron and his sons. No, Leviticus 19, 5 through 6, all the Israelites who would bring a peace offering would get to eat upon it and feast upon it. Mm-hmm. And so that that's where my mind is going briefly. There are other things to, to, to mention, but what are some of your thoughts on that, brethren? Well, Tim, Tim, I'm glad you actually mentioned that because I've, I've been I've been reading through John chapter six. And one thing that has stood out to me is that when Jesus just previously, the first part of that chapter Jesus had fed the people with physical bread. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they were yep. all about following this guy because, hey, he can provide for us the bread that we're looking for. Mm. Yet later on, just a little bit later, Jesus proclaims, I am the bread of life. Yeah. Yes. And the people, Amen. and Preston, you mentioned this theme of feasting. When Jesus talked about himself being the bread of life, if you mm. look back to where he had uh, given the Beatitudes, he said, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, yes. for they will be filled. Yes. And here he's telling them that he is the bread of life. Yep. And what is amazing to me, <laughs> and maybe it shouldn't be, but here these people that had followed him looking for another feasting that they had just experienced earlier now rejected Jesus because that wasn't the food that they were interested in. Mm. Yes. They were interested in a physical yes. food that, filled them temporarily where Jesus was offering them a, mm. a feast far greater the bread yeah. of life that filled them more and mm-hmm. they wanted nothing to do with it. Yes. Wow. And I love, I love that you point that out because it's really, and you alluded to this brother Brendel, but Jesus, I mean, God gave us food and feasting uh, in and of itself as a huge blessing, but it also points to the greater blessing mm-hmm. of being in fellowship with him, the true bread of life, yep. and how surpassingly great that is. And throughout Scripture, yeah. I mean, Preston, we've talked about this, the framework of of kind of temptation is he saw, he desired, he ate, or he took. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of becomes this whole framework for what sin and temptation looks like. And I love that you brought up, Brother Timothy, the Jesus in the wilderness, because this was a common temptation to take that idea of feasting or eating or the physical, as you said, oh, and the physical feasting, um, which is created by God for good. 
But Satan, he doesn't come up with new stuff. He really just twists That's it. Yeah. what God That's has good. done. Mm. He really, he's not that creative. It's really just a twisting of yep. true things okay. the same and a appetites. distortion. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so he does that with Jesus, of course, in the wilderness and says, you're hungry, you know, make these stones into bread. And mm. Jesus, I love that. He says, no, yeah. I will not yeah. sacrifice the greater truth of what this is all pointing to Amen. for a simple fleshly fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And That's and I good. love that. Yeah. I love that. It's so that temptation is so meaningful. And I think we miss that mm. if we don't see the richness of this feasting language throughout the scriptures. Mm. Mm. If I may quote Brother Brindle. He's the true Israelite son who obeys in wilderness temptation. Mm, Isn't oh. that right? Yep. <laughs> Amen. How does that feel to be quoted? That's all I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, he quoted the truth of God's word that I had uttered, um, but it's the truth of God's word that makes it powerful. But amen to that. Amen. And yet it amen. reminds me of how uh, you even have um, Jacob and Esau, there's another food temptation. Esau trades away mm-hmm. his status mm-hmm. as firstborn son who would inherit mm-hmm. the covenant promises. He yeah. trades it away for a bowl of food. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that becomes, that that's held out for us as an example of what not to do uh, in the book of Hebrews. Um, and, 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 and so, yes, just as our bodies... Um, we're created to enjoy food. They're, they're created to enjoy sex, which can be done right, rightly in the covenant of marriage. Mm-hmm. And yet these pleasure temptations continue uh, to come back around. Uh, but yes, praise God for the faithful, true Israel, yeah. true Israelite. And it isn't, in, isn't it striking that after he fed the multitude in the wilderness, and then remember that happened on two occasions, uh, on mm-hmm. the one occasion, how many baskets full were there left? Uh, how many baskets mm. left over? There were 12. 12. Um, not, you know, to, to, just as we saw that there were the 12 loaves in the tabernacle that, the, this, that Aaron and his sons would feast upon. Um, Jesus was mm-hmm. showing he's the one who has come to restore, uh, Israel. Yeah. Uh, but true Israel are all Jews and Gentiles who humble themselves yeah. and trust in Messiah. So on the mm-hmm. other occasion mm-hmm. of the um, feeding uh, the multitudes in the wilderness, the, the the feasting in the wilderness, there's seven baskets full, uh, likely pointing to the fact that Jesus has come uh, to save the fullness of the nations, yeah. as seven is the, is the number of completion uh, or yeah. fullness. But guys, I would say my favorite Old Testament feasting is in 2 Samuel chapter 8, where Mephibosheth, the yes. crippled oh, uh, so grandson good. of Saul, good. <laughs> who David had the right to kill because uh, as, he assu- as he became king, he could have um, done away with all of Saul's ancestors, yet because David kept his covenant with Noah, uh, I'm sorry, with Jonathan, he chooses... Yep. Uh, Second mm. Samuel nine to have mercy on Mephibosheth and have him sit as one of David's sons, always at his table. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. What a beautiful picture of our adoption mm. wow. in Christ, Amen. the Son of David. Beautiful. Beautiful. Something that I think is powerful. So in every part of the Old Testament, sort of the three-part breakdown of the Old Testament, we see this theme being exhibited. You have it in the Torah, in the Nevi'im, and in the Ketuvim. It's it, it's all there. And something that really fascinated me too within the um, within the area of the prophets is that there was an emphasis given by the prophets of a future feast, something to look forward to, something that Yahweh is going to do. And so here's a, here's a few of these. So Isaiah 25, verse 6, On this mountain, the Yahweh of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And then you have Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah 31, 14. I will feast the souls of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares Yahweh. Mm. So again, 
You have these beautiful promises that these, uh, these appetites, they will be fulfilled. And yet there are also warnings, feastly type warnings that there are false feasts that you must be warned. And Yahweh is declaring destruction with feastly language on Israel if they do not obey. So in Jeremiah 51, 39, an example of this, while they are inflamed, I will prepare them a feast and make them drunk that they may become merry, then sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake, declares Yahweh. So yeah. again, you have these themes, the true feasts, the feasting on Yahweh and his goodness, good goodness, his abundance, his provisions. Do not, do not forsake that or you will be feasted upon by these other nations that Yahweh will use to chastise you. And you have these similar types of promises or warnings in Ezekiel 20, verse 7, or Ezekiel 28, 17. These, these, again, there's both being represented here. The, the, the feast, the, 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 um, the tree of life, or again, another type of feast that you do not want to consume mm-hmm. of. That's mm-hmm. so good. That's so that well said, good. brother. And isn't it striking that the Isaiah 25 promise about that feast upon the mountain of the Lord you know, it, it finds its fulfillment in uh, the second coming of Christ in the New Jerusalem in the marriage mm-hmm. supper of the Lamb. Sure. And yet there's another supper that's mentioned in Revelation 19. It's the supper of judgment. Uh, it, this is Revelation 19:17. Then I saw an angel standing oh. in the sun and with a loud mm-hmm. voice, he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead. Come gather for the great supper of God. Oh, what's that? Mm. It's not a supper of salvation, a supper of judgment. (laughs) In order to eat the flesh of the kings, the flesh of the captains, the flesh of mighty men, both Mm -hmm. small and great. And it's 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 a picture of God's judgment and wrath. So that was such a great point, Mm. Brother Preston. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you think about the cup and the bread, you know, with the Lord's Supper. And so what this is bringing into view is covenant blessing, but covenant judgment. Blessing is feasting with the Lord, but judgment is drinking his cup of wrath. Mm -hmm. The cup Mm -hmm. becomes a cup of wrath uh, Mm -hmm. if you partake of the Lord's Supper in unbelief. And it becomes the bread of affliction. And no wonder Jesus said, whoever eats of this bread and dips it in the bowl with me, he's the one who's Mm going to betray me. And it's Mm -hmm. Judas Iscariot. Judas partook of the Lord's Supper. But he ate Mm. it unto judgment. He drank it unto judgment. So my only Mm. hope is that Christ drank the cup of wrath for me, ate the bread of affliction for me, that it might be a cup of blessing and salvation. So how brilliant it was, though, to point out the both the blessing and the curse that are represented by the feasts. That's well said, Mm. brother. So, is, so you want to be invited to the feast, but you don't want to be the feast. <laughs> yes. No, that's so true. I've never, I've never, I've never heard, heard it framed that yeah. way, but you have that's, the marriage supper of the lamb compared to the crows feasting on those that were judged. Mm-hmm. And, and that is powerful. Man, and yeah. you even think of, you know, the parables of those invited to the wedding feast. That's right. And that uh, some, many did not show up. Right. And so others were invited. And, you know, you do yeah. see the symbolism throughout scripture. And I think it's, it's powerful. Yeah. <laughs> it really is powerful. Yeah. What is the kingdom of God compared to in Matthew 22, verses 2 and 14? A king gave a wedding feast for yes. his son. Yes. Mm. Wow. All right. Yeah. Matthew 25, 10. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, so this is talking about the virgins, went in with him to the marriage feast. Right. And the door was shut. Right. And it would have been shut on those, the the un the unwise, the foolish virgins. And bask in his rest. Who are we? We're creatures who were made in his image. Who are we? Now we're old and slaves and we're sinners. Who are we? But now we're being remade in his likeness. Glory awaits soon to be raised up like Christ is. Creation. We're creatures made in his image. Now we're old and slaved and we're sinners Redemption But now we're being remade in his likeness Glory awaits soon to be raised up like Christ is What would you guys like to say about the Lord's Supper As this feast that Christ has instituted for his church And obviously it's not so much for our our, um, physical nourishment in that You know, the purpose of the Lord's Supper is not uh, just to get stuffed physically uh, as you were saying, Brother Owen, which was the desire 
of um, sinful people following Jesus just so they could get physical bread. Um, The Lord's Supper has a crucial part um, of this entire discussion. And so any thoughts from from you, brethren, uh, regarding uh, communion and the table of the Lord? Something that I think is so powerful for us to consider is that the image of or the portrait of the bread and the wine becomes so much more powerful when we recognize the whole breadth and theme of scripture, that it is the provision in the wilderness, that it is the supper that was instituted by the better, the greater high priest in the likeness likeness of Melchizedek in the upper room. This is my body, which is for you. And so what's so powerful about that is that it is a reminder of these beautiful, precious, redemptive historical promises that have in part uh, penetrated our hearts and our being, but we still anticipate the fullness of in the future. We still need provision to get to that promised land, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's what's so beautiful for me about that, brother, is that it is that beautiful reminder that Christ, he is for you, and that he is the provision that will get you into the new Eden, where we will then one day in fullness feast with. And um, like you were, like you even mentioned in our prayer before the show, brother, we will feast with the likes of Abraham and Mm. with Isaac and Jacob. Mm. Many will sit with him, right? From the north, south, east, and west and, and feast with the likeness of these precious people in God's redemptive historical pictures. And, yes. and so anyway, it's, it's, I don't know, I could ramble on over and over again if you wanted to, brother, but uh, <laughs> I'd like to hear what you two think. I, I'm reminded too, just on our, our recent uh, train of thought, what is the warning of communion, right? Mm. It's that if we're not doing that rightly, sure. uh, there's sickness and even, even death involved mm, in that. That's and, good. And, how clear of a picture is that yep. relating back to we can do this wrongly? That's right. Um, and, and so I think, man, that that ties in as well. That's that's something I've never really thought of mm-hmm. as far as yeah. tied to a feasting narrative, mm-hmm. but it does give us the wrong way or the wrong picture of how we can use that, um, do that incorrectly. That's good. Mm-hmm. When I was thinking an aspect of communion where there was a. Uh, um, those who practice communion incorrectly and uh, feasting incorrectly brings division among the members. Whereas feasting in accordance with God words brings unity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. and you see that throughout scripture. And so I just, mm. I see that like, mm-hmm. it should be obvious to all of us. Yeah. What part of feasting do we want to partake yeah, yeah. in? Yeah. Eternal Paul- feasting or this feasting that is temporary brings division and is unsatisfying yeah. unto yeah. life or unto death. Yep, yep. absolutely. Yeah. Paul the absolutely true feast, picked up on it, and that's that's always. Sorry, no, you're good. Brother. I want to hear about Paul, but that's always the picture. I feel like in the biblical narrative, it's it's the true thing, or Satan offers this distorted um, version of it yeah. that is that is tempting to the eyes and and the flesh. But it's like we have the choice constantly to go for the true thing, or to turn aside. For the distortion. Mm. Yeah. 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 Like you were saying. JB's brother. versus Denny. Well, oh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't know whether good comparison JB's is on notice. <laughs> I know. You're the not the true thing, <laughs> not the true thing versus something else. Well, where way does better. Waffle House fit in this uh, analogy? It's this somewhere metaphor. in the middle. It's, be, it's, yeah. it's not totally <laughs> true, but. But it's still good. No, what were you saying about Paul, though, Brother Preston? No, absolutely, Brother. Uh, Paul picked up on this theme, absolutely. Talking about specifically the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But then again, the warning, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, so this would have preceded that, uh, verse 7. Uh, Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And what's crazy about that specific text is that's 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 a commentary, uh, specifically an allusion back to the, the Moses incident yes. where... You have the people, the set-apart people of God who have been rescued from slavery in Egypt. They've been brought to the mountain of God to fellowship. This is the, this is the marriage covenant that's being prepared. Uh, these are the, these are the conditions of the covenant. Israel says, we will obey, right? But then, uh, in response, what they do is they disobey. And then they have this feasting with an idol 
that is called Yahweh. And what's crazy is Aaron even says, we will hold a feast to Yahweh tomorrow. And so what's so wild about this is there is, again, like the whole Old Testament has prepared you for this metaphor, this idea, there is a false feasting compared to a true feasting. And one results in covenant judgment as then uh, Israel enacts covenant judgment on these idolaters in that story in Exodus. Um, But to God's true set-apart people, they will be brought to the true marriage feast, the true marriage supper of the Lamb as blood-bought brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. So, what do you what do you have to say about that final feast, Brother Timothy? Yes, I would just want to briefly say um, I, I love what was brought out about the Lord's Supper. It not only is one of remembrance, causing us to remember Christ in His death. Um, and, but it's also one of anticipation, longing for the feast to come. But I would mm-hmm. want to point out something that John Calvin really uh, contributed to the evangelical church. And it, it's what we call the spiritual presence of Christ. And what Calvin did in the Reformation was he both refuted, uh, he, he refuted the various extremes. You have Rome. And the Roman Catholic Church, who teaches that the, the the bread and the cup become the literal physical flesh of Christ and in drinking of His blood, and so every time the Lord's Supper is instituted, it's a re-sacrificing of Christ, which, according to Hebrews, is it's, it's impossible. It's imp- yes, it, it's it's blasphemous. It's heretical because the once for all sacrifice of Christ is enough, and yet right. Zwingli went so far. Ulrich Zwingli. He went so far the other way to say it's just a bare memorial. It's just a remembering uh, that Calvin, he really helped to show, actually, you're right, it is a remembrance. It is a memorial, Zwingli, mm-hmm. but Christ is present, not physically, like Rome says, but by his Holy Spirit. The Spirit Amen. of Christ mm-hmm. is Amen. present at the Lord's Supper to feed his people with the benefits of the covenant of grace. In other words, Christ is there by his spirit to nourish our faith. And so going back to John 6, whoever feasts on me eats true food. If you don't feast on me, you have no life in me. Whoever drinks my blood drinks true drink. And Mm -hmm. so through the physical um, elements of the body and bread of the bread of Christ and, and the cup that's given Christ by his spirit is feeding us by his grace, not only mm-hmm. with the remembrance of the forgiveness of sins, but power against temptation, but it's a fellowship with the Lord. And so first mm-hmm. Corinthians 10, 16 to 18 is in that same context. You mentioned Preston and it also brings out the oneness uh, that you mentioned, Brother Owen, 1 Corinthians 10, 16 to 18. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation, literally a koinonia in the blood of Christ? Is it not a fellowship in the, blo- in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a koinonia, a participation, a fellowship in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, Therefore, let us all partake of the one bread together. And then notice this. He takes us back to the sacrificial system. Consider the people of Israel, literally the Israel according to the flesh, are not those who eat the sacrifices participants, fellowshippers Mm. with, sharers in the altar. Mm. And so as we feast on Christ, we do it together. Mm. And we're not feasting on the physical uh, body of Christ, but Christ by his spirit is feeding us, but, and yet it's a preview of fellowshipping with the Lord forever in the new heavens and the new earth as we, Amen. as we feast with him. And the consumption of the, the tree of life. Yes. That's right. Yes. Amen. Eternal right. life. Amen. Yes. So Through Christ. as we, as we are in this Advent season, just, um, celebrating and reflecting on the, incarnation of Jesus as as true man, the true man. Mm-hmm. Um, what, just maybe this is more slipping into a pastoral uh, perspective, but... It's okay, because he's a pastor now. That's right. There that's you go. Right. <laughs> so what what would you share with our listeners as far as, as we gather during this season um, for eating together, breaking bread together? Um, what, what would you say um, to them to tie that into 
this feast narrative that we see throughout scripture. Mm. Yes, I would, I would rightly, um, uh, amen everything you brethren said about the, the way that Christ has come to fill the soul, to fill us in, uh, oh, and you, you mentioned, um, which w- I, I hadn't thought of, but it was just great that you, you, you went there. Matthew chapter five in the Beatitudes, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Uh, the one who blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They were, they will be filled. They will be, they mm-hmm. will be full. That same mm-hmm. word is used again in John six for the, the, the crowds longing to be full or filled. But Christ making clear it's only me who can satisfy. And so I want to um, remind us, and this is something I have to remind my kids, we love Christmas presents. <laughs> but Christmas <laughs> gifts in the plural, they really can't ultimately satisfy. They're meant to be pointers yeah. to Christ. And this is something we need to remind our children. You know, this gift that daddy or mommy is giving you, uh, sorry, it's not from Santa Claus. This is a pointer. It's showing you how God and his goodness gave his son the greatest mm. gift of all, the bread of life, the bread of heaven, mm. the one who comes down from heaven to give life to the world, to satisfy us, uh, mm. to, to feast our souls on his grace. Mm. Amen. Mm. Well mm. said. And that's yeah, good. I'm reminded specifically. So this is if we started in one garden, let's start. Let's let's end in another garden. So mm. Revelation chapter 19 verse nine, and the angel said to me, "Write this: Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb." And he said to me, "These are the true words of God." Amen. Amen. Wow. Amen. Amen. Well, Preston, I don't know. I, I really appreciate you bringing up this topic, mm. and thank you so much, Timothy. That's it's been. Um, you've provided some really good clarification and insight into this this topic mm-hmm. of feasting, things that yeah. I really hadn't ever seen in Scripture yeah. before. You should, Tim, you should uh, write a song just specifically about feasting that there you, you should, go. I don't know, maybe release as a single to include in the unfolding, but... We've been waiting. Just We've waiting We've been waiting on some music. <laughs> <laughs> Question is, can you get it done in five days before we post this? <laughs> Uh, we would uh, like to include it in the show if you could. Yes, wow, that's an excellent idea. And thank you, brethren. I'm so blessed by your love for the word and how you're taking this redemptive historical hermeneutic and applying it to your own reading and application of scripture. It just gives me so much joy to see you guys oh, doing man, it and to be able to participate with you. Uh, this has been a feast for the soul. Thank you so much. Mm. Oh. oh, amen. And God has used you in our lives and just so that uh, he may um, continue to use you. And, and obviously, he'll do what he wants. He is sovereign. But uh, how can our listeners connect to you and get a hold of some of your resources, your music, your book? Um, and your what, podcast again. Too. Yes. What's the best way for them to do that? Yes. Please go to timothybrindleministries.com. And uh, there is a new book that I wrote recently Alongside uh, my um, professor and friend, Jonathan Gibson, we wrote a book called The Acrostic of God, A Rhyming mm. Theology for Kids. And it's the first of five in a series. Uh, at Easter time, The Acrostic of Jesus will be out. And then um, mm. uh, in about uh, 10 months from now, The Acrostic of Salvation. And so these wow. books are written for the ages of about uh, 6 to 12 and they're meant to be um, a tool to teach kids theology. Um, and so it goes through, just as Psalm 119 makes use of the Hebrew alphabet, and at the beginning of each line um, is, is a word that starts with that same corresponding letter. Uh, we go through the attributes of God, A through Z. Uh, we go through the, the same attributes of Jesus, A through Z. Uh, the acrostic of salvation, which is coming as well. A, adoption. B, baptism. C, communion. D, death. E, election. F, faith mm. or forgiveness, and so on. Wow. wow. Um, and so this is a That's tool, cool. but it's something for parents What's also G? to dive in the world with their kids. Um, but there are also hi- um, hip-hop songs that are that, that go along with it as well. As you guys are probably not that surprised, the, the book is written in rhyme. Mm. Yes, we like it. Amen. <laughs> it's fitting for a poet. 
<laughs> hey, God God inspired the scriptures with many um many of much of many that, a poet. I should say many, yes, poetry. many poets. Well, and so, Pete, you even said that someone uh one of our listeners had made a comment about uh Timothy just changing their view on uh Christian rap altogether. Oh yeah, some people um sometimes of the older generation um and younger generation, I don't know. But anyways, some mm-hmm. people can think that that's just associated um, that style of art is associated with uh, things that are ungodly, and I love that yourself and many other uh, great artists have redeemed that, Amen. or maybe shown the greater original uh, who created like all of that. Yep. It was it was God. So Amen. praise God. Mm. Oh, well, well, perfect. It's uh, I don't know about uh, you listeners, but it has been a big blessing for me, and hopefully you've been blessed as well. And just looking forward to the feast that Jesus has prepared, uh, prepared for us. And so, um, think on that, study on it and, uh, get ready for it because it's coming up and, uh, Mm -hmm. join us again in two weeks. And, uh, we look forward to having you then until then. God bless. God bless. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Good night. Send us a message at feedback at shadowcastradio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Wait, are we on Twitter? Nope, we'd be censored. Check us out at shadowcastradio.com. Hi. Say bye-bye. Just say bye-bye. Come back next time. Loud. Just yell it. Thank you for listening. Come back next time. You should make that in.